Uh, let's open our Bibles, please, to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. This is a very important passage. I ask that you listen very carefully. Numbers chapter 14. We're going to begin reading in verse 11. And we're going to read uh, through verse 20. I want you to think about it as we read it. And if you need a miracle, uh, we all need a miracle. And what is our motive in our approaching God? Is it for His name's sake or just for ours? Numbers chapter 14, look at verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou art, uh, Lord art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. And as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the study. Help us to truly examine ourselves of whether we be in the faith. We pray that thou give us a pure motive and a true heart to seek to defend thy name and to intercede for others that thy name would be protected. Help us to see how this applies in all the areas of our life. We yield your spirit that he would reveal these things to us and he would lead and guide us as to what to say and how to say it, and he would empower and give us power to preach and to hear thy word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been looking at uh, the name of God and the power of a name and of a reputation, a good reputation and a bad reputation. You know, some people are famous, some people are infamous. Uh, but this applies to every one of us. Remember, the house of God is to be called a house of prayer. It is called by His name. And this story here, where Moses interceded for Israel, 
is so important because God in his wrath was going to wipe out all Israel. Just like he did in the flood of Noah, and he started over with Noah and eight souls were saved by water, the Bible says they got in the ark. He was going to do it again. This time, though, he was going to wipe out all the tribes of Israel and start over, he says, with the greater people through the lineage of only uh, Moses. And then we see the power of intercession. Moses went to God on behalf of the people. So there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And then the true priest goes to God for men and two men for God. And he besought the Lord, and the Lord thought it over. Now, we know that God is sovereign. He's omnipotent. But he made us where we have a relationship with him. And we can, his mind can be changed. Just think about that for a minute. God made his mind up. And we see in other places, it repented the Lord. That didn't mean God sinned. It means that he changed his mind about what he had done. And he was sorrowful for something, someone he had created, a people. So it, it uh, really grieved him. And then it got to the point where it angered him greatly. And then he decided, I'm going to start over. If this is all they have of respect for me, and they, all the signs that I've showed them, all of the rebellion, the doubt, the turning back, the bickering, the complaining, loving the world, wanting to go back to Egypt. He says, I'm just going to start over. So Moses comes in, the servant of the Lord, intercedes, and he's almost like a lawyer. What is his case that he brings? It's all about God's name. Nothing about Israel. Nothing about God having mercy on Israel. Nothing about all the millions of people that would have got killed. Has nothing to do with any of that. Has everything to do with what will the heathen think. If you get Israel to the brink of the river and you don't bring them into the promised land, they will think you didn't have the power to do it. They will look down on you and your reputation will go into the known world and in the land of Canaan and, and all around it. And he began to think about it. He said, you're right. I'm not going to do it. Now, we try to live up to it, but nobody can live up to it. Nobody's worthy. Nobody is uh, capable. We, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all fall to some degree, and come short. So some people think, you know, if I can live up to this level, I'll get my prayers answered. Now, I'm not discounting holy living and serving the Lord. But a lot of times we get lifted up with pride because the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. And we begin to think, for some reason, we're qualified, we've earned it, we deserve this. I mean, I, I'm faithful. I do the best I can. I love God. I deserve this answer from heaven. 
I am worthy of God hearing from heaven. And Israel was not. Why should we? I know we're in the New Testament. We're in Christ. Our lives are hid with Christ in God. But we'll never live up to it. So if we understand that it's all about His name. Now I want you to think about before we continue, what do you need from God? A miracle. And we, we need everything from God. But sometimes it gets urgent. Sometimes it's timely in nature. We need a miracle. Sometimes we need a God to open a door which no man could shut or shut a door which no man could open. We need a turning. And Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 18, turn me and I shall be turned. Turn the hearts of your people and they shall be turned. And sometimes it gets desperate. We need to be urgent. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You have to have a fervency. It has to burn. It has to be intense. You have to understand we don't have much time left. You know, I always think about it. The psalmist said, I'm but dust. If you let me die, shall the dust praise thee? He it was all about him. Uh, if I die also, what are the heathen going to think if I go out this way? Like in the old west days when a mountain man would die, they'd say he went under. That's, they didn't say he died, he went under. Uh, so we need to get urgent. Now, God's mind was changed. He was going to destroy the whole nation of Israel. That's the holiness of God. And we ought to fear Him. So just give you a, a real quick overview uh, and review of what we talked about last time. Then we're going to add to that. We know a reputation has developed over a long period of time. Now you might have heard something about somebody, but it takes a long time. So this reputation, it can have a good connotation or a bad connotation. And it's developed through consistent character. And some people, as we said, are consistently inconsistent. You can't trust them. Uh, there's just something about them. So when we understand this, this gives us some uh, influence over others because of your name, good or bad. So as we looked at, if, if you have a bad reputation, one good act is not going to change it. But on the other hand, if you have a good reputation because of human nature, sinful nature, and you have the accuser of the brethren, uh, a good one could be ruined by one bad decision. So I always say, one good decision could change your whole life. It can. One bad decision can ruin and wreck your whole life. You know, you could be faithful to your spouse for 50 years. Go out and blow it in one night. One, one foolish decision. So, I want you to think about this when I bring these Bible characters up. Uh, I think about this all the time. When you think of David, a man after God's own heart, chosen by God to replace King Saul, 
of Judah, the lineage of the Messiah would come. What comes to your mind when you think about David? Do you think about the Davidic covenant that he would sit on the throne forever and even into eternity and his offspring? Do you think about the covenant of salt or do you think about he was a murderer and adulterer? What comes to your mind? Just in your mind. How did you summarize his life? How do you remember him? You know, for Samson, which is one of my favorite Bible characters, most Baptists only remember him that he got his eyes put out. And he toyed around with the wrong type of women. And he got involved and went places he shouldn't go. And the Philistines be upon the Samson. And most people only think about him and Delilah and he had his eyes put out and then in his death he killed more in his life when he pushed down the pillars of the temple but very few people remember Samson for the power God was on him he judged Israel I mean you go out and catch was it 300 foxes and tie their tails together you, you go catch one fox they're the smartest wittiest one of them animal that God made 300 tied their tail. He carried the, the gates of the city, iron gates on his back. He slew a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass in hand-to-hand -hand combat. One of the greatest men that ever lived. And most people think about his weakness. You know, I don't want to live that way. I want to be, I'm not saying sweep it under the rug. I'm not saying to ignore it and compromise. I'm not saying that. I'm saying know what happened, but see the big picture. Don't look at just one bad event or character trait. Look at all the great things about him. One of the greatest men that ever lived. Isn't he in the Hall of Fame in uh, Hebrews 11? The Hall of Fame of the greatest people ever lived. Uh, that live by faith. That's how I remember him. You know how most people remember Peter? That he denied Christ and cursed? I don't remember him that way at all. Uh, some people, well, he was the cussing fisherman that denied Christ and was ashamed. And they said, thy speech berateth thee. You're a Galilean. We've seen you with him. And in a, in a moment of weakness, which fulfilled prophecy, by the way, he denies Christ, goes out, weeps bitterly. I don't want to remember him that way. Peter was the chief of the apostles. So you had uh, anybody who was an eye resurrect, uh, eyewitness of the resurrection of Christ as an apostle. But then you had the chosen twelve, Judas... Uh, forsook to fulfill the scripture and betrayed Christ but he was the apostle to the Jews the chief so you had Peter, James and John the inner three who was the closest and the greatest Peter he was the chief he was used by God to preach on the day of Pentecost the church started and in Acts 
10 at Cornelius' house, most people agree that the first Gentile got into the kingdom and he was used of God to write two books of the Bible and history tells us that when he died a martyr's death, he didn't feel worthy to die like Christ and he was crucified upside down. That's the real Peter. This, this is the real Peter. In one moment's last, and some people say, well, I remember Peter backslid and he went fishing and he said, I go a fishing and he led the disciples astray and he was clothed immodestly. When Jesus came walking on the beach, he had to jump in the water because he was naked. Uh, so what? I mean, well, it is a so. But I don't think, I, I think, I don't remember Peter that way. He was the chief of the apostles. I remember one time, one of my first sermons, you know, I always heard, Peter warmed his hands by the devil's fire. Peter warmed his hand. He was out there with the people. He didn't go in like John the Beloved and follow Christ who leaned on his breast. He was out there with the heathen, warming his hand. And uh, I preached it a few times. I remember when I was real young, about 40 years ago, and another guy, I think Toby, uh, Terry Oberly. Anyway, he's, it's a whole other story. But, and then... One time I realized, and then I said, you better hope Peter doesn't come up and punch your face out at the marriage supper of the Lamb. All the preachers who've ever lived, and all they bring up is he warmed his hands at the devil's fire, denied Christ three times, shamed himself, went out, wept bitterly. You hear it Sundays over and over and over. He's the, the chief of the apostles. Isn't it strange how, but it's not, the accuser of the brethren moves in the lives of God's people. So, let's think about Elijah for a minute. What comes to your mind when you think of Elijah? Oh, he's a big old burly guy, big old hairy guy, didn't dress like everybody, probably, probably looked more like Esau probably look physically more like Esau than Jacob. And most people just remember him as the one that troubled Israel, prophesied to Ahab, always caused trouble in the government. He could pray and it wouldn't rain, and then he'd pray again and it'd start raining. Elijah, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Elijah went to heaven in a fiery chariot. He's one of the two witnesses. All these great things. Most people don't remember that he ran from Jezebel. Scared to death of the prophets of Baal and got famished physically and sat down under the juniper tree and wanted to die. Actually, requests from God, I don't want to live anymore. He was that depleted spiritually, mentally, physically. How do you remember him? We need to see the big picture. Uh, It's just so amazing. How many people, what what do you think of when you think of Abraham? His name was Abram. He lived in the land of the Ur of the Chaldees. God called him to leave his people to seek for a city whose builder and maker is God. He obeys God. He becomes the friend of God, the father of the faithful, 
the patriarch of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 sons. And we know the, the history. And we think about that. Very few people bring up the fact that he disobeyed God, brought his father to Haran, and also backslid when there was a drought and economic time and ran down to Egypt to make more money. And then he brought back Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid, and all these things took place. But was he perfect? No, he was the friend of God. You can remember. See, you can remember what you choose to remember, and usually it's your type of mentality from the perspective you choose on will you look at the big picture, one bad event, or one good event, or do you really see who a person really is? So, aren't we there in our society? You think about what is modern, one of the main characteristics of the modern last days of the push-button Wi-Fi world. It's always, will you leave some feedback? Do you do a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Leave a comment. And... Uh, it better be a good one or we're going to delete it. And uh, don't tell the truth and point out my faults. I want to only hear good. But, and then it's reviews. And then it's how many stars. You know, what if you read the rating and two-star rating of three jerks who only looked at the bad of something and you based your whole decision on the reviews of those type people? And this is what a lot of people do. <laughs> you know, I looked it up. It had, a, it had some, had some bad reviews. Well, did you look at the way that person lives? They just got out of jail last night, and they wrote a little review. Who are they? You don't, you know, we don't know where this is coming from. So, very important. Number one. We should seek to build our reputation over a long period of time. How do you do that? Consistently being faithful. Consistently being honest or whatever the characteristic is. Next, once we do that, this is a great motivating factor. We should seek to guard it carefully. So, when you behave a certain way, you dress a certain way, you do a certain thing, one of the top priorities is, is this defending God's name? And is this defending my, my name, my family's name? Because it's hard earned over a long period of time. You know, we always say, Dr. Evans at Bible College, he said, you don't measure Christianity in years. You measure it in decades. And all these preacher boys were either boasting or complaining. They'd come up. He'd say, come see me in 30 years. I'll know what you really are when four decades go by. I don't want to hear this, how, how great you are and you've served God. You've made it six months or a year or two years. It takes a long time. Very hard earned. And then lastly... We need to pray that the Lord would cover our sin. Now, that sounds real strange to some people, but 
if, if you're not perfect, you need the Lord to cover your sin. You're going you're gonna to make mistakes. You're going to say things. You're going to have slip-ups. And I'm not justifying sin in any way. But this is, ought to be a constant priority. So what did David say? Forgive me of my sin. But when he confessed, he said, forgive me of my secret sin. Even the sin he didn't know that he has committed, he asked the Lord to forgive him. And then, according to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, if, that's that big word, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, God forgets. God has the ability to bury our sin in the deepest part of the sea where Jonah went down there when he was swallowed by the whale. He saw the bars of the pit, one of the gates of hell. Unbelievable. God says he'll put our sin as far as the east is from the west. You can't even fathom that. As far as the east is from the west. And he says, I will remember their sin no more. But people can't do that. We can't do that. We can't forget our own past. We can't forget our own sin. Now, you can be healed from the haunting of uh, the old, what they call, skeletons in the closet. I don't know where that came from. But we can be healed from the trauma and move on. You know, I always say, if, I, if you do this, you're going to kick yourself. You know, have you ever kicked yourself? You're going to be kicking yourself. For a long time, if you mess up, you're going to regret it. The day's going to come. You're going to wish you could turn back time, but we can't. So people don't forget. We can't forget our own. Other people don't forget what we've done. But isn't it interesting how some people have selective memory? You know, they, they want to forget their stuff and remember your bad stuff. They want to forget all their stupidity and sin, but they sure like to bring it up whenever they need the ammo. You know what I'm talking about. In a confrontation, look what they did. But look what Peter did. He warmed his hands at the devil's fire and he denied Christ three times. Yeah, but look what Peter did. He preached on Pentecost, 3,000 souls got saved and was used of God to start the New Testament church. So this is why love covers sin. So you ought to cover your own sin by confessing it and getting it under the blood of Christ. And then you ought to cover the sin of the brethren and confess their sin. Remember, Moses interceded. They didn't have the spiritual wisdom to get their own sin under the blood. This is very important. You know, I always do, as the man in the house, I confess my wife's sin. I confess my daughter. She doesn't. I confess my church. I mean, we need to get it under the blood. Amen. You know, a lot of people, when, when Daniel asked for revival, what did he say? Forgive me my sin and the sin of my five, our forefathers. And what does it say here in Numbers? He visits the sin of the third and the fourth generation. So there's a curse through the great-grandpa to the grandpa to the pa to the children 
that if you don't break the curse, it's carried on. A lot of people don't, don't realize this. Uh, and, and we've talked about this in the past. But he said, I'm, I'm not going to hold them guiltless. They're going to pay for it. But I'm going to cover it up. I don't want the wicked Amorites to know how wicked Israel has been. I don't want the wicked uh, Moabites to find out that Israel doesn't even trust me when I set them free from Egypt. I don't want those people, the Philistines, to know how they doubt me and have rebelled and turned on Moses. I don't want them to find out, so I'm going to cover their sin. I'm going to wash them in the blood. I'm going to pardon them. That was an Old Testament term. I'm not going to blot their name out of the book. Why did he do it? Because Israel deserved it? No. Because they lived up to it? No way. He did it all, it says, for his name's sake. Now, just think about it. The next time you need a miracle, and you approach God with this wisdom and this principle. And you say, Lord, you know I'm called by your name. You know what this is going to look like if it goes this way. You know what's going to look like to the heathen and my family and if it goes that way. I'm begging you. I know I don't deserve it, but I'm, I'm called by your name. Would you do it for your name's sake? Now, I want you to do it for my sake. But would you do it for your name's sake? And when you get God's name involved with your own intellect and your focus, now you're starting to understand Christianity. Because it says he leads us for his name's sake. He saves us for his name's sake. He hears our prayer for his name's sake. He sets us free for our names. He feeds us for his namesake. Everything he does is for his namesake. And so you think about this battle. Any situation in your life, are you going to face this alone? Or are you going to face this with the principle of his namesake? And this is very important because let's let's finish tonight we're out of time but let's look if you would please to psalm 109 and there's many places in the, the word of god psalm 109 that, that pertains to this look at verse 21 this is the way we ought to believe. This is the way we ought to live. This is the way we ought to pray. But do thou for me, O God, the Lord, for thy name's sake, because thy mercy is good, deliver thou me. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. I am gone like the shadow when it declineth. I am tossed up and down as the locust. My knees are weak through fasting. And my flesh faileth of fatness. I am become also a reproach unto them. When they looked upon me, they shake their heads. It's really amazing. Help me, O Lord my God. O save me according to thy mercy. That they may know that this 
is thy hand that thou, Lord, hast done it. So I would say this, I'm through for tonight. When God does it for his namesake, you go tell them that God did it for his namesake. They say, well, aren't you lucky? Let me tell you, number one, there's no such thing as luck. Number two, God did this for his namesake. This has nothing to do with me. God showed up to defend his name. And when we see it that way, instead of being, you know, we're all selfish, but just simply going and appealing based on our needs, this opens up. Uh, the reputation of God and the kingdom of God, may we understand it. Amen. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Uh, so if you are coming to the men's fellowship,